Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 227, all about turkey chokes with Mike Ponder with Indian Creek Shooting Systems. And I am your host and the guy who went Saturday morning to listen for turkeys, and what I heard was a lot of this. Yes, complete silence. There were hardly any Tweety birds chirping. There were hardly any crows calling. There was hardly any owl talk. It was just a quiet morning. But hey, I'll take a quiet morning in the woods over a loud morning in the office or at the house any day. And I know all of you guys listening will as well. But I did go back out this morning and I heard one. One turkey gobble four times. Now, he may have gobbled a bunch before I got there to him. He may have gobbled a bunch after I left because I didn't stay there long. I am on a mission to locate 20 turkeys, 20 gobbling turkeys before opening day of turkey season in Alabama and I am 120th of the way there. (laughs) I have a lot of ground to cover to say the least and I've got to get moving with this because we are nine days, 11 hours, 11 minutes and 44 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So I'm going to try to get out in the woods Saturday morning which just happens to be opening day of the youth weekend in Alabama and give it another listen. Again, I've got to cover some ground, I've got to locate some birds, and I've got to make this happen. Now, Saturday, I did see two humongous longbeards feeding in a pasture that I don't have permission to hunt yet by themselves in the middle of the afternoon. The trail camera pictures that I'm getting are pictures of nothing but hens with no toms. So I think that in Alabama, the season is going to hit just right, and it should be good the entire season. Whereas the past couple of years, it's been a little bit messed up, and I think it's been messed up for you guys all around the country as well the past couple of years. But if what I'm seeing so far is any indication, then I think it might be a pretty darn good spring. 
Now, you may remember a couple of weeks ago, I announced that I was having a little contest. And I got the idea for the contest from the NWTF convention and actually from the seminar that Brenda Valentine put on, which was entitled, Why Do We Hunt? And I asked you guys to tell me in one word why you hunt. What is one word that is kind of all-encompassing for you as to why you hunt. That was what Brenda's entire seminar was about. And I thought it was really good because, you know, we get asked that from time to time and not necessarily by anti-hunters as much as it is by people who just don't hunt, not because they're against it. They just don't do it. They've never had an opportunity to do it. And so they are trying to understand why we do it. And the thought or the idea of being able to tell someone in one word why, I thought was pretty cool. So I asked you guys, what is your one word answer as to why you hunt? And I sweetened the pot by throwing out there one of the one year premium memberships for OnX. I actually got three of those from our friends at OnX at the NWTF convention to give away to you guys. And so I thought, you know, that'd be a pretty cool way to give away one of those three free one-year memberships. So I announced the contest. I told you guys I would pick a winner today, and I have. The winner of the one-year OnX premium membership giveaway is Chris Morris with his answer of Serenity. The winner of the one-year premium membership to OnX is Devin Buckner for his one word, passion. The winner of the one-year premium membership to OnX is Sean Hoover for his one word answer of serenity. So you may be wondering or scratching your head a little bit here. You just said Chris Morris is a winner and Devin Buckner is a winner, and Sean Hoover is a winner, and I feel a little bit like Oprah today. You get a one-year premium membership to Onyx, and you get a one-year premium membership to Onyx, and you get a one-year premium membership to Onyx. Here's the deal. I had three of those to give away. If you'll notice, two of the answers are exactly the same. Sean Hoover and Chris Morris both said Serenity. So why did I choose to give away all three of those memberships? I told you guys I was going to give one of them away, whether I had one entry or I had a thousand entries. I had exactly three entries into this contest. So I thought, heck, these guys took the time to think about their one word, put it in an email, and send it to me. So I'm making everybody a winner up in here. So maybe the rest of you guys listening will participate in our next giveaway, which will be soon, by the way. I received a box full of turkey calls from Jonathan Harling at Strut Commander last week. And Jonathan asked if I would demo the calls for you guys on the show. And I'm going to do some of that pretty soon for you guys, but I'm also going to give away some of those calls that he sent me as well. By the way, I really like the box call that they sent me. It is a call that you will never have to chalk, and it sounds pretty good. But I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a week or two when I announce the giveaway, so keep your ears on. And I also told you a couple of weeks ago that I would share 
my one word answer to the question of why do I hunt? My one word is connection. And to me, it's all encompassing because it's the connection with the animal that I'm hunting. Really, all of the animals in nature. How many times have you been deer hunting when you've had a cardinal or a robin land on the platform of the tree stand with you and just look at you? You know, it's a little bit of a connection there. Connection with my food. I know where that meat that goes on my table has been from the time that the animal breathed its last breath. We cannot say that about any of the food that we buy from a grocery store. Connections to my friends. Spending time in the woods with a buddy. Hunting is a great way to build a bond and a great way to get to know each other and a great way to reconnect with those that maybe we've been apart from for a little while. Connections to other hunters. Some of the best stories and some of the best memories that I have from traveling around the country in the quest of completing my super slam have come from meeting other hunters and just meeting other people who take an interest in me and my goal. Connection to myself because a lot of times I'm hunting by myself. Most weekends during turkey season, I am by myself in the woods. When I'm sitting in a tree stand or in a shooting house waiting on a deer to come by during deer season, I'm hunting by myself. I have a lot of time to myself and you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. The connection with my emotions. And I don't want to get all touchy-feely here, but we run the gamut of emotions when we're hunting. From being down and out, you know, a little depressed, things aren't going our way in the woods, to absolutely on cloud nine, you could not be any more happy when you drop that buck that you have been watching on trail cameras for the past two years, and he was the number one buck on your target list for this year. The feeling of being on cloud nine when you finally pull the trigger on that tom that has absolutely whipped your rear end every single morning for the past three weeks. But there's also a little bit of sadness to go along with that, isn't there? Because not only did we just take the life of another animal, but now what? We've marked that goal off of our list, but what's next? What do we have to get excited about tomorrow? Some of the most emotional times that I have had in my life have been while I've been hunting. And I know 100% that you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. The connection with life and the connection with death. I'm sure I'm like most of you guys and I don't think about dying all that often. But I'm also really not entirely scared of it. And maybe it's because I've been around a good bit of it. Am I looking forward to it? Not at all. But I don't believe I'm necessarily just that scared of it. And it's something we're all going to face. The connection with my animal instinct. I believe that most of us human beings still have that animal instinct in us. And I believe that hunting brings out that animal instinct in us. We were built to be the ultimate predator. And that is exactly what we are when we are in the woods hunting. Hunting sharpens our senses and makes us very well aware of our surroundings. You guys know that my wife does not hunt, and I can't tell you how many times we've been driving down a road, and I will just, out of the corner of my eye, catch something and point and say, there's a deer. 
and she'll look over there and she'll say, how in the world did you see that? Well, it comes from practice. It comes from being out in the woods and being the ultimate predator. Do I miss things in the woods? Oh yeah. I cannot imagine how many deer have walked past me that I never saw. How many squirrels I have walked past while I've had a shotgun or a 22 in my hand that I never saw. How many turkeys? Maybe if I'd been looking in that exact spot, I would have caught a glimpse of, but I never saw. But I would say on average, I am way more instinctual because I'm a hunter. And being a hunter makes me more connected to those instincts. And the last reason that I'm going to mention today is the connection with God. And I just don't know how some people could see some of the sunrises and sunsets that I've seen and seen some of the most amazing, mind-blowing things in the woods that I've seen and not feel a connection to our Creator and the Creator of all those things that have put me in awe. So that's my one word, connection. That is why I hunt. Now, it doesn't have to be your word. If you want to use it, by all means. I don't have a copyright on it. But give some thought seriously as to what is one word that you feel like is all-encompassing as to why you hunt. All right, I need to throw out a huge thank you to a listener right now. And that huge thank you goes out to Ben Carlson. So Ben and I chat on Twitter a good bit. And we, like I do with most of you guys listening, have some things in common. One of those being turkeys and turkey hunting. And not just turkey hunting, but all kinds of hunting. And so Ben and I chatted back and forth over probably the past couple of years via Twitter. And about four weeks ago, he sent me a message and said, hey, I make turkey calls and I would like to send you some. He said, I just do it as a hobby, but I have a lot of fun with it. And I just want to say thanks for what you do for putting the show on. So I was very interested in seeing and getting to play some of Ben's calls. And they came in the mail about two weeks ago. And I got to tell you, and I plug Ben's ears up, I have not played one of those calls that I don't like. I just don't want Ben getting the big head here. They all sound great. Ben does not sell his calls. And I'm not throwing that out there just to rub that in your noses. But I just wanted to say on the show, Ben, thank you very much. I appreciate the time and the effort and the money that you put into making those diaphragm calls for me and sending them my direction. And I cannot wait to pound on some Tom's head with a loaded number nine shot after calling him within range with one of your diaphragms. Thank you very much for that. All right, let's get on with the show and cover some turkey soup very quickly. And remember, I told you guys last week that the turkey news, well, the relevant turkey news is really starting to wane a little bit as we're getting so much closer to opening day of season. In fact, season's been open in Florida. And so the turkey news across the country is getting less and less. But I've got a little bit more for you this week. I will probably have a little bit more for you next week. And then I think we'll be done with turkey soup for a little while anyway. So first up, leftover WMA tags in Arkansas will be available for sale online beginning at 8 a.m. on March the 12th. They will be sold on a first-come, first-served basis. And since I didn't draw in Arkansas, I'll be checking out the site to see what is available because neither Cameron nor I drew. And we're going one way or the other to Arkansas. 
Secondly, the Missouri Department of Conservation wants to remind hunters that non-toxic shot is required for 16 more conservation areas. There were already 21 conservation areas that required non-toxic shot. Yes, even during turkey season. But now there's going to be 16 more. So there's 37 conservation areas in Missouri where you cannot use lead shot. And I don't even think you can use copper-plated lead. But don't hold me to that. That's going to be something you guys need to look up on your own. And if you can't find the answer online, call the Department of Conservation because they'll be able to tell you. Oh, and when you call the Department of Conservation, be sure to make a little note as to who you talk to, the date and the time, and what that person said. Fold that little note up, put it in your wallet, because you might need it later on. So that is all the turkey soup that I have for you guys. And next, I want to get into our interview with Mike Ponder. Mike and his brother-in-law, Stuart Ruling, started Indian Creek Shooting Systems about 18, 20 years ago, utilizing a patented design that separates the shot from the wad in a shotgun shell when it's fired. And, well, I'm not even going to pretend to be the expert on this here, so let's get into the interview with the expert, Mike Ponder, with Indian Creek Shooting Systems, to learn all about turkey chokes, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey everybody, I am glad to tell you that I have on the line with me today Mike Ponder with Indian Creek Shooting Systems. And Mike is going to tell us all about turkey chokes today. And so we're going to start kind of at a basic level and then dig in a little bit deeper with Mike. And so okay. we're going to jump right into this. Mike, how are you and where are you? I'm doing great. Well, we were just talking a little bit before this and, you know, waiting for all the seasons to open some of them already have but i'm doing great can't wait for this to get going here but i'm actually i live and work here in a little town of frona missouri it's in southeast missouri just if you don't know where that's at i guess the best is say about 100 miles straight south of st louis we have a machine shop here and we make all the choke tubes and everything Right here in our machine shop. Made in the good old U.S. of A. You bet. I like it. Yes, sir. Good deal. So how far are you from the Arkansas state line? Oh, it's uh, probably about 100, 150 miles maybe. Okay. So we're getting down close to what they call the boot heel of Missouri, the little section that kind of goes down between Tennessee and, uh, and Arkansas. I'm still more in the hill country. Down below me, it gets really flat and, you know, big farm fields and stuff. It's more wooded up my way. I'm here along the Mississippi River, so we got the river hills yeah. around us here. Yeah. Yeah. Good deal. Well, I'm headed to Arkansas here in a few weeks to, to mm-hmm. see if I can mark it off of my list of states that I need for my super slam. So uh, yeah, I figured you were pretty close being in Southeast Missouri. So that's good to know. Yeah. Not that, not that far at all. Yeah. So tell us about yourself and tell us about Indian Creek and also give us your contact information at Indian Creek as well. In case somebody has any 
has some questions for you about choke tubes or if they want to buy one of your choke tubes. But start out, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I I grew up right here in, in Perry County, which is the county, you know, here that we work and live in. Never moved out. I've been here 50 years. Just grew up. My dad was a farmer and I'm one of seven kids and my me and my brother-in-law actually owned a business here together. Uh, like, like I said, we changed shop, in which allows us to make the choke tubes here. You could reach me on on the phone. Would be our phone number is five seven three eight two four five 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 five. Do have an online store on our website which is indiancreekss.com. But our chokes are sold at a variety of places all over the United States, really. Some of the major ones are like Bass Pro and Cabela's or Midway USA, Max Prairie Wings, you know, places like that. But, yeah, we got started actually doing choke tubes in about 2000, 2001, Again, we were able to do that with our equipment here. And just me and my brother-in-law were just big turkey hunters. So we we had the, the, the porting on our choke tube is so different than anybody else's mm-hmm. with the way it grips onto the wad and holds it back to where it isn't interfering with that shot string. And a gentleman that come to our shop had the patent on that. And then through some conversation and stuff allowed us to use that porting. He was using it more for like trapping skeet or clay bird type stuff. But we incorporated it into a turkey choke and found out very quickly that this was going to (laughs) work very well and, you know, just hold very good, tight, consistent patterns. We did do private label choke tubes for a while, mm-hmm. but uh, it was about 2006 is when we started Indian Creek and basically just, you know, did everything ourselves there. Okay. So, very good. That, so I know we're going to talk more in depth about this, but I want to just kind of put on your radar screen what the importance of separating the shot from the wadding is so we'll we'll get to it in a minute but i i didn't want to forget it because i would forget to ask you (laughs) so you mentioned that you're a turkey hunter and before i hit the record button over here we were talking about turkey hunting and you told me you're Mm -hmm. pretty much obsessed with it just like everyone who listens to this show and i certainly know i am as well how did you get into turkey hunting I I did not turkey hunt as a kid because where we lived around here, there really wasn't a, hardly any wild turkeys. Now, out in the Ozarks of Missouri and stuff, I know there was. And so I, I got kind of started later on. I was probably in my 20s before, you know, I started turkey hunting. But for the simple fact, there just really wasn't many around. But uh, just through friends and family that that went and kind of got got me into it. We I did all kinds of other hunting. Uh, grew up 
coon hunting and rabbit and squirrel hunting. And then, of course, I would, you know, deer hunted quite a bit. But just the difference in, you know, having a bird that you're calling to that you know it's there where you're not, you know, sitting on a deer stand for hours on end and don't really know if there's anything around and just, you know, it's springtime with everything's kind of budding out and, you know, regenerate. <laughs> I don't know. It, it just, it gets in your blood very easily. <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of how I started and just, you know, then uh, when we, kind of go a few years later where we actually started, you know, our machine shop and then was, you know, took that obsession of turkey hunting and wanted to make it, make our equipment better with, you know, and evolved into the choke tubes. And then just through that, I've been able to go to other states and travel around and, you know, being centrally located here in the, Midwest, you know, there's great states right around here that, you know, Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, Kansas, Nebraska, you don't really have to drive that terrible far to have some really great hunting. Right. So, yeah, it's a, it's very centrally located and easy to get from one side of the country and not very expensive either if you're going out of St. Louis. so. Right. And I think a lot of people have that misconception that, you know, to travel somewhere, it's going to be very expensive. If you do a little homework and talk to people, go to some, maybe these outdoor shows and talk to people, some people trade hunts back and forth. Maybe somebody, say, in the South part would like to come up here and, and deer hunt and trade out a turkey. You know, there's all kinds of different ways, but uh, there's great, great public ground that is surprising to a lot of people, too. It takes a little bit of homework and stuff, but, you know, if if you want to do it, you'll find a way. Right. So. No doubt. Well, let's talk shop for a little bit. Okay. So I know this question is going to be a no-brainer for you, and it may be for a good many people listening to the show, but I can't assume that everyone who's listening knows the purpose of a choke. So mm-hmm. in the simplest way possible, can you explain just very quickly for us the purpose of sure. a shotgun choke? I mean, in the simplest form, it it allows you to control that pattern downrange so you have very dense, consistent patterns you know, for, so you have a very ethical shot at a little, little bit longer ranges. You know, the factory chokes that come with the gun, they're okay. <laughs> but compared to an aftermarket choke that most of them are, you know, extended, so they do stick out of the barrel. Most of your factory chokes that come with your gun are flush mounted. And really, they don't... I really, I guess, have much technology built into them. They just go from the bore of your shotgun and they taper down to a certain size and that's it. 
where most of your aftermarket stuff, including, you know, our Indian Creek, have different things on the inside of the choke. Like we have what they call wad catching rings. It's little bitty steps inside the choke. They're about five thousandths of an inch. Um, and to give a reference to that, like a piece of regular paper is about three thousandths of an inch. So they're very small, but they're just steps in there. And what that does is the that plastic wad cup that holds all your shot, it catches on there every so slightly. And each step, it brings it closer down to the exit diameter. And it, it kind of strips back the wad, I guess you would say, or holds it back mm-hmm. so that that plastic wad cup, once it goes out of the barrel and the shot is separated from that, you want that to happen as soon as you can so that that plastic wad cup isn't interfering with your shot and creating all kinds of, they can throw, throw pellets, have flyers everywhere, or even go right through your shot string and create holes in your pattern. So our porting does that too. It, it kind of cuts into that plastic wad cup and just holds it back ever so slightly to where you know, it isn't interfering with that shot string. And then different exit diameters on that choke tube make that pattern either, you know, hold tight downrange or open up. Like, you know, a, a lot of our 12 gauge is what we call a 665 constriction, which is if you would measure the, the very end of the choke, the opening, it would measure 665 thousandths of an inch. And then say like if you would have a waterfowl tube or a predator tube, you know, that's going to be up like around 710 or 720, which is more around a modified or improved cylinder. So, uh, but, you know, basically all the choke does is creates a good dense pattern. So you're ethically killing that animal, you know, in best way possible. Right. Okay. So you've mentioned extended chokes and traditional flush mounted or screw in. Well, they're, they would all be screw in chokes, but flush mounted chokes. Right. Is there an advantage to having an, an extended choke compared to the flush mounted choke? Yeah. I mean, like with ours, the port, again, the porting on it is, you know, it, it's different than most where we have like slits of, on there straight up and down a lot of people you know might have holes or something but with ours it it is so key to how it that the choke tube performs and keeps them dense tight patterns down range because of that gripping onto the wad and slowing it down where you know if you didn't have that on a say like on ours the the 12 gauge is a it's a two inch extension, but it allows us to do more on the inside of that choke since it's longer. Mm-hmm. It's not so aggressive of a, of a taper right there. So the longer it is, the more you can kind of do with the technology on the inside. And it allows you to have porting on it, which, which helps on some different things too. It reduces a little recoil 
it vents the gases really quick and so you don't have so much back pressure and stuff so yeah there's a lot of advantages to you know the extended choke rather than the flush mounted okay yeah so i had heard that non-ported chokes or barrels are better with the tss shot is that your findings as well now no not at all okay i mean our anyway with ours i, I mean our ported chokes that's i mean about what everybody's been i mean that this new tss stuff is you know just blown up over the last couple of years and right but no we we run our ported really the you know the wad is key to that so if that shell manufacturer is using like a typical four pedal wad then it's going to perform really great out of ours you know federal had that flight control wad which was doing things a little bit different mm-hmm. now they did since then and i believe in all their tss loads they put in what they call the flex wad which is safe to shoot to any ported choke tube and I believe they, you know, and I'm just speculating myself, but I believe they did that because, I mean, basically almost everybody's shooting a ported choke tube nowadays. Right. So, but no, I, I would I would say our porting still, you know, does very well with, with all them TSS loads. Okay. That may have been where I picked that up from was with, was the flight control wad from federal yeah when when they had their heavyweight stuff out and just that that wad in general that that flight control wad it was it was kind of what everybody was doing with trying to strip the wad back they were doing in a little bit different type of deal and but again they they have changed that since now all their new tss loads so okay shouldn't be an issue at all Mm -hmm. okay very good. Well, I know there's been just lots of advancement over the years in downrange performance in shotguns. Yeah. You know, especially the past 10 years. It just is so different today than it was 10 years ago. But if you go 20 years ago, it's night and day different. Yes, it is. So I know that both choke tubes and shotgun shell improvements have driven that, but are the shells forcing the choke manufacturers like you guys to change and get better, or are you guys forcing the ammo manufacturers to change yeah. and get better? I, I would I would say probably a little bit of both. Back when we first started, you know, heavy shot was producing shot in it it worked really well with a little bit tighter chokes and then you know remington was loading their shell with heavy shot for a while and that's when that's when we kind of come on board there around 2000 2001 and we we were designing our choke more or less around heavy shot shock whether it was their own shell or remingtons but then you know i i do think that all the choke tube manufacturers were were really doing a great job with 
with all kinds of different shot shells and making them shoot better. So, you know, you got to a point there where, well, what, you know, what's next? And then it was the shell manufacturers, I think, were kind of making their shells shoot really good through, you know, certain choke tubes or try, you know, hopefully through everybody's chokes. But, you know, I know different shell manufacturers that call us to get choke tubes to test their stuff with before it even comes to market. And, and I'm sure we're not the only one, but I mean, that has happened. So I think it goes a little bit both ways. And then like you, we were talking about the, this new shot, you know, that's called TSS, which stands for tungsten super shot. And there's several manufacturers that are putting that out now, but really for the most part, our standard choke tubes have really been able to shoot that stuff very well. Uh, some of it may like a little bit more open choke. And just for an example, say like in the 20 gauge, you know, our standard constrictions like a 555, where maybe if, if you want to open that up a little bit and, you know, that it might be too tight, you might go to like a 562 or a 570 so i I think a little bit both ways on that you know that we we both kind of feed off each other a little bit yeah so that brings up a, a good question or a good point you know there's there's no way for us to know what type of choke and what constriction our gun is going to shoot the best with any given shell and you know every gun likes a different choke with a different shell Mm -hmm. and it can cost us a fortune to to really kind of get that best pattern but is that something that if someone were to call you and say hey mike i've got a remington 870 20 gauge is you know what constriction would you recommend if i'm shooting Right. So-and-so's TSS. Well, I always encourage people to call with, with anything like that because I, I truly think we can save you a lot of time and money because there's no way we can shoot every scenario out there with every gun, but I can almost guarantee you that we have come close and save, you know, again, you a lot of time and money on on some suggestions, you know, and different people, you know, maybe don't want to spend the money on TSS because it's very expensive, but then we have other options, you know, if just a lead shell or, or, uh, you know, heavy shot or something like that. But yeah, it's pretty hard to come up with a scenario that we haven't tried or that we have, Somebody has tried and called us with different, you know, information on what they found. So, yeah. And, you know, uh, another good way of doing that is say, you, you know, get together a few of your buddies and, you know, each one of you go out and buy a box of shells. Say you got five guys, you can buy, you know, buy five different boxes of shells and then get together and you know, like when you're patterning on something like that, shoot at a big enough piece of paper or cardboard 
that you see your entire pattern. And I always say probably shoot it anywhere from 35 to 40 yards. Uh, we always shoot at 40. And then, you know, after we shoot into this, I, I shoot into about a four foot square piece of paper or cardboard. That way mm-hmm. I see every pellet that come out of that shell. Then after you shoot, go and find the center of that pattern. And I don't know, a lot of people do the 10-inch circle test. That's what we do. That way, you know, we're always comparing apples to apples. And what I mean by that is after you shoot, find the center of your pattern, draw you a 10-inch diameter circle right in the center, and count the pellets in that. And if you call me with that information and you tell me, hey, I was shooting this gun, this choke, you know, this ammunition, and I got X amount of pellets in that 10-inch circle, I can pretty well tell you whether that was, you know, what to expect or if it was really good or really bad just because we've done it so much. Right. So That's very interesting. That's good to know. So that... Mike will be a good resource for us, but we need yeah. to be careful not to wear him out too much. <laughs> <laughs> and be patient, especially this time of year. Huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I try and take and call back, you know, people leave me messages and stuff. But it, I know I miss some calls throughout the day. And Catherine here at the shop and, and Stuart, my partner here at the business, I mean, we, we try <laughs> – you know, try and get everybody called back or try and answer all the phones. But this time of year, it's it, it does get kind of crazy. So just keep calling or be patient. <laughs> so Yeah. So you kind of answered this, but with the craze in TSS right now, have you guys had to make any kind of changes in your choke tubes at all? Or are you just... Not- hey, we're trying to make the best choke tube for every shot out there, and it seems to work for the majority of them. Yeah, it, it really has. We've not really changed much. Again, because the TSS really holds such a dense, tight pattern and out to some pretty long yardages. I mean, even with 20 gauges, I mean, 60 yards is not out of the question. And I don't want to you know, promote shooting these long ranges. But, I mean, the guns are capable of of killing that far consistently and and not, you know, just wounding one or something. I mean, it takes a little work. It takes a little time and effort because you really have to shoot that exact shell through your setup, you know, at them yards, and it can get kind of expensive. But to know... There's no other way to do it besides shoot it to know what your gun's doing. But the only thing maybe is that we make some chokes that are a little bit more open. Again, you know, say like our standard constriction for 12 gauge is 665. We we do sell a lot of 670s or 675s. Just, you know, a little bit more open constriction there to get that pattern just a little bit bigger because you're dealing with so many pellets in these 12 or with any of the TSS compared to, you know, like say number five lead. I mean, you're, you're tripling or quadrupling the amount of pellets 
you know, yeah. and, and I was I was just going to say, just uh, like for a reference, a lot of the TSS that people shoot nowadays is number nine. Well, there's I think somewhere around 370 to 375 pellets in an ounce of number nines. A typical 12 gauge, you know, is going to have two ounce load in there. So, you know, you're you're up in the seven to eight hundred pellets in one shell. <laughs> so right. that's kind of crazy if you think about it. You know, and how much of that going down, is going down range and it so is. I've had I've had it explained to me that the reason for having the more open choke, shooting these denser than lead or heavier than lead type of shots mm-hmm. is because the pellets when they are coming down the barrel and they're basically hitting each other or they're pressing against each other, they're not deforming. And when they get constricted going down the choke, they it because they're not deforming when they're bouncing into each other, they're as soon as they come out of the barrel, they there's quite a few flyers, and that open there, choke restricts that or, or uh, eliminates some of that. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, I would say that's exactly what's going on. Yeah, this, I mean, this shot is you know very hard and dense in this TSS or even the heavy shot, so. Yeah, they will not deform like you might find, you know, the copper-coated lead or something with. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just really, if you can get by with a more open choke, I think you're better off all the way around because you have less pressure buildup, you know, probably mm-hmm. a little less recoil. There's just, it's not, you know, that when it's, when you're shooting you know, seven or 800 pellets down and choking it down like that, it's, it's kind of violent, I would think, you know, at right at that point. So the more open choke you can get by with, I always figure the better off you are. But, but yeah, you're exactly right on that. That's what's going on there. Okay. So I'm going to ask you about what might be coming down the pike for us in the future. But right now I want to ask you, just as a turkey hunter yourself and with being in the business that you're in, exposed to firearms Mm -hmm. and shooting a lot of shells out of different firearms with different choke and constriction options and all that kind of stuff, I want to just run three different scenarios or three different questions past you and just have you tell me kind of on a scale of 1 to 10 with 10 being mm-hmm. the most important and one being not at all important. How important would you say that trying multiple chokes from the same gun is to achieve the best pattern downrange? I would, I would give that about a five. I think again, to call the manufacturers and ask questions is probably, or uh, again, go to the, go if you're able to go to some of the shows where, you know, different one of, you know, like us are there to where you can talk to us one-on-one because you can wrap up a lot of money in buying a bunch of different chokes and stuff. Now, us as a company, we do offer a money-back guarantee to basically says that, you know, if, if it doesn't shoot, you know, basically the way we have explained it and everything – 
and go over it with you and everything, we'll give you your money back. So you can, you know, ask, ask that question to companies, but I would do a little research before I would go and buy a bunch of different chokes. And, you know, it, it isn't always going to work. I mean, there's, Sometimes it just doesn't work and you, you have to go try something else. But I think for the most part, just doing a little research and, and calling around, doing a little homework can be better than just going out and buying a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. All right. Then how important on a scale of 1 to 10 would you say trying multiple or different brands of shotgun shells through the same choke is to achieve the better downrange? That's very high on the list. I I would say that's a nine or a ten because I mean I know you've probably seen it too, and I've seen it a million times. You get maybe several guys together that have the exact same gun, and wanna you know maybe a couple of them will shoot a certain brand of ammunition very well, and that the next gun the same make model everything. And it just will not shoot it that well. So, again, I had kind of go with the scenario of maybe getting a few people together and each buying a box of shells mm-hmm. and running. It, it doesn't take but a couple of them to see, you know, if your gun will shoot them very well. And then you, you can just weigh your options, too, on, on different products because the price of shells can get expensive. I mean, you can go with just copper-coated lead at, you know, maybe a a dollar or two a shell compared to at the very high end of the spectrum would be, you know, like your TSS that can be eight to ten dollars a shell, you know, and you got to kind of just weigh in what you're satisfied with or where you hunt. I mean, you know, if, if you're hunting mostly wooded areas and, and stuff that your your shot's probably not going to be any further than 40 yards, they're just no use to, in my opinion, of, of buying maybe some of the higher price stuff because you have a, you know, you can achieve a great pattern with some of the more inexpensive rounds. So, Right, but yeah, I I would encourage people to try different loads and different manufacturer shells. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then my last little scenario for you here is how important after we find the right choke and right shotgun shell brand, how important mm-hmm. is it for us to shoot that at least one time before on paper? before turkey season mm-hmm. starts every year uh, scale of one to ten that's up there in about 12 to 15 <laughs> <laughs> that that is the most important thing there is i mean and and you have to shoot the you know exact shell that you were going to hunt with because well i just take for instance like my gun i i put a scope or a red dot on almost all my turkey guns. I, you know, some people don't like them, but I do. I love them. I, I can just dial that gun in with whatever ammunition I'm using 
and there's just no guesswork. You know, you get a bird out there at 40 or 50 yards, and if you just have the bead on your shotgun, you're not pinpointing on his head. You're you're almost covering the whole bird up, with, right. you know, because of that. But, yeah, it's, you have to shoot you know a few rounds again at a at a big enough piece of paper that you see your entire pattern uh, you can always put a little turkey head target or or something up there but back it up with a three to four foot square because it's very typical for your gun to shoot in a different spot whenever you change chokes and shells and things because any any change you do, whether it's shells or chokes or anything, you've changed your whole setup. So, you know, just thinking about it logically, there it it probably will and usually does change your point of impact. That's it's very important to see what your gun's doing at and at different ranges. You know, take a shot at ten or fifteen yards, and then at forty and and maybe even all the way out to 60, if if you're ever thinking you're going to take a shot that far, you need to know what your gun's doing at that range. Right. Yeah, that's very important. Yeah, very good. So over the years, the, I guess, us hunters, and not just us turkey hunters, but that's really what I'm kind of focusing on here. We've seen a lot of stuff come onto market, like extra full turkey chokes, copper-plated lead shot, any of the wad design and construction improvements that we've seen, then Mm -hmm. heavy shot, and then TSS. So what do you think is the next thing to come down the pike that we will all be talking about in three to five years? Oh, boy, that's a tough one. But (laughs) I, I do know now, like, a lot of people are going and wanting to shoot or, you know, do do more because of the TSS probably more than anything, but to shoot sub gauges, you know, 410, 28 gauge, mm-hmm. 20 gauge stuff. I mean, like for me, you know, even probably five to 10 years ago, you know, I was always shooting three and a half inch, 12 gauge, you know, the most. And here the last two or three years, I've been shooting a 20 gauge with some TSS and our choke. And, you know, it, it's outperforming some of, or probably a lot of 12 gauges out there that, you know, maybe are just shooting copper coated lead or something, but Mm -hmm. we do not have a 410 choke yet, but it is in the makings. Uh, We get a lot of calls about them now. Yeah. So, you know, these little or lighter guns are easier to carry around i mean some of them you can literally put in your in the back of your vest and walk around you know so yeah i i think maybe that right now is the thing that you know you know hunting with sub gauges like those smaller gauge guns i you know who knows what's coming around the bend but keeps me on my toes though uh, all these different shell manufacturers and guns and stuff always changing different things with the fed you know the thread patterns that are in the guns and stuff so yeah we kind of seem to be moving in the direction of being able to consistently make kill shots at 100 yards and 
I'm just kind of wondering, you know, is it going to be a, a, a new revelation in gunpowder that's going to get us there? Or, you know, is it going to be yeah. jokes or pellets or all of the above? But we we seem to be moving in that direction. Right. And, you know, hopefully, you know, I, I still, or I think any true turkey hunter still wants to call that bird up right there at 10 or 15 yards but you know and just have one goblin in your face and mm-hmm. you know that's that's what still i think everybody strives for but yeah i mean it and the the advancements you know in the last years and stuff i mean it it makes it very possible to shoot 60 to 70 yards and and kill very effectively at them ranges but you know it, it, it's not necessary either i mean right there's nothing wrong with you know setting a gun up and and saying hey uh, i'm gonna only shoot out to 40 yards and if i can't get him in any closer you know he uh, turkey wins that day so yeah it's just up to every individual what they want to do so i agree 100 percent and I was talking to a buddy this week. We got on the topic of TSS. I said, you know, I have dove hunted with a a guy that's a friend of my dad's, and he takes a 410 out to the dove field, and he takes Uh one box of shells, and in two hours, he has shot 16 of those shells, killed 15 doves, and he's leaving. Uh That's not fun (laughs) to me. (laughs) (laughs) I want to shoot six boxes of shells, have have my eyes bleeding, basically, from the recoil of a 12-gauge shotgun, and just barely get to that 15th bird right before dusk. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's just it's just a different in individual people. And, and I always say, you know, as hunters, we, we need to just let that go. You know, if, if that's right. what someone wants to do just say that's great you know but i i want to do it a different way and Mm -hmm. not be our own enemies on stuff like that but i I know what you're saying i i love to shoot too so i'm the two to three box uh in the dove field a day type of guy too that barely scratches out a limit so uh, Uh, well i i can double you up (laughs) <laughs> Not on your success rate, but just on the amount of shots fired. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness. Well, Mike, yeah. I really appreciate your time and the knowledge that you've shared with us today. And I hope that everyone that's listening found the information you shared with us very helpful. And you know, if any of you guys listening are in the market to find a really good shooting shotgun choke then give the guys over at Indian Creek Shooting Systems a a chance to earn your business and give Mike a call and chat with him and see what his thoughts are about your particular shotgun and if they've got something that'll work for you. And if if they don't, I'm pretty sure Mike's going to tell you they don't, but he'll say that because they they have really (laughs) good chokes over there. So, Mike, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It It was really good. So, again, you can reach me on my, you know, on the website at IndianCreekSS.com, or you can give me a call at 
888-985-5555. Wonderful. Well, lots of luck to you this coming season. Yeah, you too. Thank you. I need yeah. all that I can get. Where, where are you kicking your season off? I actually will be kicking the season off in Mississippi because it opens one day before Alabama does. <laughs> and I have not killed a turkey in Mississippi, so I still have about the first three weeks of Mississippi season. My mm-hmm. license is still, I guess, in effect. Okay. So I will be in Mississippi as much as I can those three weeks or until I kill. And then sure. I'll be up in Arkansas there uh, at least their first weekend, if not the two weekends of their season. And then off to New York and Vermont. And those are the only states that I have on that are definites on my list so far. I'd like to try to squeeze uh-huh. in Maine since I'm up there and maybe try to squeeze in West Virginia as well. But we'll have to see if I'm still married when that comes around. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets iffy around that April, May, you know. <laughs> it's touch and go around my house. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. <laughs> Fantastic. You think you would think they would get used to it by now, but yeah, they don't think seem so. <laughs> I I don't know. I guess it's just a sign that I'm loved, so I I can't yeah. complain about that. Mm-hmm. Me neither. So yeah. All right. Fantastic. Well, well I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to hang on for a second. I'm I'm going to stop the recording, but I want to ask you a couple of questions. You got my okay. little hamster wheel churning up here in my head. So I'm I'm going to sign off at this point and say thanks a bunch, and I'd love to have you come on the show again sometime in the future. Yeah, just give me a call. Thank you. All right. Goodbye. All right. I hope that you guys enjoyed that interview with Mike. I thought it was very interesting, and I actually learned a good bit about the chokes and the wadding and the TSS and how that's affecting the industry right now. And so, Mike, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for your knowledge. And any of you guys listening to the show, if you want to try out one of their chokes, then give them a call and order one and let them know that you heard about them here on the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you'll do that, I'd be very appreciative. And I want to just remind you, anytime you guys order something from anyone who's been on this show, please let them know that you heard about them on the podcast, because that lets them know that their time was not wasted coming on the show, and they will happily agree to come back and share more of their knowledge with us. So do me that favor. In fact, we're just going to let that be the favor of the week, and with that, I'm going to say... Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. 
We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.